and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I am David Bax. And thank you for listening. David, how are you how are you doing? Consider it if you will. We're feeling kind of silly, I think. <laughs> but that's all right. That's yeah. for your benefit. Cuz we just watched a, a knee-slapping rollicking hour of the wire. <laughs> Absolutely. And nothing puts us in a giddy mood like uh like the seedy underbelly of Baltimore. Exactly. Because it's almost as if the make the makers of the show they're like, "All right. So we've bu- we've sufficiently bummed people out." With the plight of of inner city school children, what can we do now? Oh, the homeless. Let's let's show the crazy ass homeless. Yeah. You know, and uh, that'll <laughs> that'll bring in the numbers. Um, but yes, uh, but uh, you know, it seems like Carcetti might end up being a governor behind that. Oh yeah, did you notice yeah. I said behind that? I got yeah. That's a little uh, that's wire talk. It sure it is. It actually has sort of like uh, seeped into my conversation. Like really? I say behind instead of because of. Uh, hmm. Just occasionally, but I catch myself because I don't want to be too like, I don't know, I don't know what the word is. I don't yeah. want to be too obvious about it. Like I'm trying to talk like the wire, but Ex- when you watch something, you know, like like when I read when I was in high school, or maybe yeah, maybe high school when I read Train Spotting, the oh, book, because it's all written in dialect. Yeah, and like if I would read it for like a stretch at a time, like even like my inner monologue would sometimes like slip into my interpretation of Scottish dialect. Yeah, uh, I am. Um... Listeners know that uh, we are fans of Never Not Funny, and when I first uh, stumbled on it, there's a solid, probably 25 episodes uh, available, and I I uh, <laughs> I had to drive from Chicago to Springfield, Missouri, which is about an eight hour drive, and I was driving it alone, and so I uh, so I listened to Never Not Funny for a l- large chunk of time, like I basically caught up on almost all the episodes once I went down there and and coming back. Um, and by the end of that, like, there's just, you know, they, that was back when uh, Mike Schmidt was on the show, and so there's just certain phrases that I never used, and now I use it all the time, like on board. I never said on board, but now I do all the time, or, you know, broke bad or anything like that. So, Have you watched uh, Breaking Bad, the TV show? No, but I kind of want to. I like that uh, Brian Cranston. Oh, is he in that? I don't know anything about it. I oh, yeah, he's the, main guy. the... he's the main guy. Huh. Oh, wow, there's a big billboard for it right outside where I work, and I guess I've never looked at it long enough to figure out who that was. Speaking of billboards, I, I think I mentioned this to you uh, the other day. Uh, it is uh, February, which, of course, is Black History Month, and so I saw a billboard <laughs> that, uh, you know, that was trying to be inspirational, but it said, uh, it said, make black history. Now, I understand what they're saying, because it's Black History Month, so you want to you know, you want to make history or it's a play on that. You got to make history. You got to make black history. But now, but it sounds vaguely threatening. It's all about where you put the emphasis. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, now, David, word on the street. Really? Is, I haven't been down to the street. Okay. Well, it's, uh, well, we've been up here watching the well, wild, you, but, you know. My, I kind of hurt my back. I don't know how. Okay. I sit at a desk all day. That's right. I think maybe my posture's not good. So the last few days I've been driving to work, ah. not riding my bike. So I haven't been hearing the word of the street. Because exactly. usually just being out there, you yeah. know, on the bike with the wind rushing past and just like the people and you yeah. just get a feel, you know, a, a, a real feel. I think I could, I think I could win a Pulitzer behind this. Oh, man. <laughs> Oh, um, so, oh my gosh, but, uh, well, anyway, what, what we were, uh, getting at is that, uh, there's rumors that the, uh, that the writer's strike is going to be ending soon. Um, now David, what's, what is your, what's your take on that? Are you excited? Are you worried? What's the deal? Well, I mean, my allegiance is to, is to the writers no matter what, yeah. you know, um, and I know, I mean, obviously there's a lot of, a lot of people are somewhat torn between liking their favorite shows mm-hmm. and wanting to support the writers and you right. know uh and I, I i didn't really feel that way for a while and i didn't even care that the oscars might get right uh, you know i could i could go a year without watching the oscars yeah. uh, but now that lost is back <laughs> and not just the fact that lost is back but the fact that it's only two episodes in but it's so fucking good so okay. far this season now i'm like i'm feel i'm feeling that that uh uh, that that ambivalence. Yeah, the uh, 
the fact that uh, that I don't really get any reception on my TV, though even though just today Jen and I finally signed up and we're going to be getting cable. So it's a very exciting day in the Smith household. Yeah, what kind of what kind of package are you looking at? Uh, the cheapest one. So I basically, basically listeners, we don't have a whole lot to talk about today. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> let's just talk about our uh, the financial dealings going on in my house because uh, we just well, bought no, these no, don't tell me how much you're paying. But what what uh, let's see what what do you get? Are you getting any any uh, Tom- uh, any I, plus? I, or are you just getting basic? I believe we're just getting basic. Um, okay. pretty much partially because it's like I know I could spend a great deal of time watching TV. Like if I got Comedy Central or like Jen and you know what even I we both like uh what is that TLC which is the one where they're constantly like redoing things. Is that TLC like they're yeah, redoing that's TLC. houses and stuff? Uh, that doesn't do it for me. No, is it But TLC I just recently got it, a No, it's HGTV. We like that one. Oh, the, they're all the same. Exactly. But um I just recently got a little got a little bump. I okay. I added some new channels. Oh, all right. Uh and uh it's working out great. Exactly. I you. you know, I got I got ESPN Classic. Yeah, I got uh, I got uh, I got the Military Channel oh and God. the Science Channel, which is really really yeah. watchable. Uh, I, I'm not sure what else I got, but but, but you have commented to me uh, off mic that <laughs> uh, that you don't watch a lot of movies anymore because you watch a lot of television. Well, and... with my little bump in the package, I also got. Uh, cable company supplied dvr and that is really what has oh my gosh well, <laughs> what has put a dent in my home movie watching i still go out to the movies oh yeah i would say far more than the average person so i'm still yeah. my average is still pretty good but uh yeah honestly i watch way too much the big the big thing is being able to uh dvr sports okay because i don't i might not have the patience for a two and a half hour, you know, Clippers basketball game. Right. If I have to sit through the whole two and a half hours, yeah. But when I can fast forward through everything I don't want to watch, nice. You know, I can watch the Clippers lose in no time flat. <laughs> exactly. You can kick back, spend a half hour watching them lose, and then go on about your day. Um, yes, yeah, yeah. But like, enough of that it culminates. You know, <laughs> uh, yeah, it definitely puts a dent in my home movie viewing. Yeah, I mean, like I, I have Netflix, and we. And just TV on DVD, that's bad enough for me. You know, yeah. like looking at the old uh, Netflix queue, I realize it's just like, it's like, all right, Jen is going to be finishing uh, my so-called life soon. So we're going to, okay, we got The Office coming. We've got The Riches coming. I've got Lost coming. I've got the, I've got Damages coming. Oh, and look, I've decided, I apparently decided I need to get back into watching Cracker with Robbie Coltrane. And maybe I'll start yeah. in on those Prime Suspect uh, uh, TV movie things that uh, yeah. Helen Mirren did. Yeah, Prime Suspect is, is a thing that I just know that, once I start down that road, there will be no stopping. Exactly. It's the same so, reason I haven't watched frame one of Battlestar Galactica. Oh, Because exactly. I just can't afford I I don't have the time. That yeah. I know even if I watch half of an episode, I know that that will suddenly I'll have to re- rearrange everything in my life. I'm bummed out that The Wire is going to be ending because conceivably I would like it to last the rest of my life. <laughs> but you know what? At the same time, it's like, all right, that's done. I've seen it. It was amazing. It's my I I used to say Dead was my favorite show. Now that I've seen more seasons of The Wire, it's The Wire. Absolutely. Well, you know, speaking of like knowing that shows are ending again, listeners, we don't have a whole lot to talk about this episode. Yeah. Um, the fact that uh, I guess it was announced sometime last season that Lost was just going to go six seasons, right? Uh, and that is great. That, I am uh, so happy about that. I am as well. I've talked uh, to uh, a friend of mine, Jake, who is a uh, loyal listener of the show, and we just we agree that it's just like with an end in sight. You know, it's it's not going to wind up like like Twin Peaks, where nobody where nobody, including the creators of the show, don't really know where it's going. So they kind of wind up, you know, giving people what they think they want too early and then there's no reason for them to stick around with the show with lost it's like the network and the creators have agreed this is how well how long we're going to do it and so it yeah, gives yeah, them a clear and it's not just the fact that there's a 16 they've made it i mean i know you haven't finished a third season yet so right. i won't spoil anything but the end of the third season pretty much establishes says to the viewer we know where we're going now okay. and so even though the viewer doesn't get the whole story they know 
we, we as a viewer know that the end game is has already been imagined and we know they the people who are guiding us know where they're guiding us seeing that yeah that's nice like i i i like a and i like a nice short show like i feel like seven maybe eight seasons is about as long as a show should go um, I, would, I would say even that's i mean as a as a buffy fan i i know that i mean that show honestly i'm a huge buffy fan but if that show had ended after season four, yeah, uh, it would probably have an even more mythic place in our yeah. <laughs> in our pop culture. Because yeah. uh, not that there, I mean, it's still better than a lot of TV, but especially like the first half of season seven is kind of a drag. Hmm. But like, uh, oh man, oh now now I remember what I was going to say. But like, so all these shows are on my Netflix queue, and I realized today I'm like, you know what, I'm going to. Once we finish, you know, this show and this season of this show, we're going to take a break from TV on DVD for a while and catch up on some movies because, you know, I see movies in the theater when I can as well. Yeah. But if I, if I miss it in the theater, it, it may go years without my, without me seeing yep. it because I'm so busy catching up on TV. So, but I don't, uh, you know, I don't apologize for that at all anymore because I feel like there's, well, it's a great time for TV. Yeah. There's so much good TV happening right now that, uh, I would be more of an asshole if I were just ignoring it. Exactly. You know, I mean, I don't feel, you know, disloyal to movies. I see the, you know, I, I like to think I see the good ones, but, you know, there's some that it's just like, it's somewhat of a priority, but I haven't, not quite enough. But with Netflix, I'll get around yeah. to it. Or at least I thought I would until freaking, you know, The Riches came out on DVD, but... uh now, I, I haven't even... watched any of Damages, but I'm just going to say right now, you can remove that from the queue. You think so? It doesn't look very good to me. Well, I, I seem to recall Paul Goebel, the king of TV, said that it was quite good. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, and I find that with TV, I, I, I sometimes agree with him, and so I, I'll give it a shot. I like with That's the beautiful thing about TV on DVD. I will give it one disc's worth. And I'll see what I think. Like, I watched the first well, disc of the first season of Boston Legal, and I'm like, oh, that's not bad. But you know what? I get it. I'm not <laughs> I'm not going to go any any further than that. But, you know, I mean, like, we've talked before about how um, good acting, we talk about it a lot, actually, is yeah. more of a draw for you. It sure is. You know, than, uh, uh, you know, and I guess I mean, that's one thing that even people, even critics who didn't like Damages said a lot of good things about Glenn Close and, right. and Ted Danson. Yeah. And uh, which actually makes me think you were talking about Prime Suspect, uh, Helen Mirren. Uh, nice. You know that's that's probably a big a big uh, draw for me. <laughs> well, she's a really you know I like uh, I, I like her her style as an actress. Well, she's a very subtle actress, but I'll tell you something, David. Subtlety isn't everything. I think I had that soul, but okay. You pause. Asked... I'm gonna pause. Okay, for the listener. <laughs> okay. I knew exactly where I was going. Tyler was going to tell this story. We talked about it beforehand. Yeah. I led into it in a, in a way I think that was very natural and very sold. Yes. And then Tyler went and put just a big red <laughs> nose on it like a clown. <laughs> and I honked the nose. <laughs> yes, just made it very clear that, that this was all planned. Um, yeah, I apologize for that, <laughs> listeners. They, We're never they... going to make it on terrestrial radio, <laughs> Tyler. Okay, let's hang on now. Okay, so you could have said that and I could have been like, you know, it's... It's interesting you bring up Helen Mirren. I have a story about Helen Mirren and people reacting to her acting style. I could have done that. Didn't occur to me well, until you, just now. You could have said it better than that. Yeah. Well, yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, I mean, I, you know, former actor, I could have sold that, but I chose not to because uh, I gave up acting. Um, <laughs> anyway, so, uh, yeah, I do have a story about uh, Helen Mirren and uh, I was working. This is... Months and months ago, I've been wanting to tell this story for a while because it's so damn funny to me. Because um, it hasn't gone anywhere in my memory. I didn't forget this story because it just, it made me laugh and angry at the same time. Uh, I was, this was back when I was working at uh, Blockbuster. I'm sorry, la- just laugh is a verb, angry I know, I know, it, it occurred to of, me the minute I said it. Grammatically if it makes you of... feel any better. Um, yeah, I'm trying, how would I rephrase that? Uh, that okay, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to go How about it was road. humorous and infuriating? Here, okay, all right, there you go. Um, it made me laugh and grit my teeth. What do you think of that? Yeah, mine had more than 50 cent words in it. 
you know, sometimes you sound like an old prospector. You realize that? <laughs> um, all right. <laughs> so, uh, okay. So I was, I was working at Blockbuster and I was talking to this guy. Uh, and when I, when I worked, uh, at, uh, Blockbuster, I tended to, uh, give people recommendations. Uh, sometimes I would wait for them to ask. Other times, whatever. I got to make the job interesting. And, um, so there was this guy who commented that he was, uh, an actor, which is not at all an unusual thing at the store that I worked at. Um, and, uh, so he, so I said, Oh, do you like good acting? And he's like, yeah, he's, he's like, I do. I think he'd mentioned that he'd gotten, you know, he'd, you know, just been like, I'm not sure what you would call that when, when you're in a single episode of a show. Okay. I don't, I don't know. Is it, okay. I've, I've, I thought you might know like the name for that, but basically, you know, it's not a recurring character. He's just in one episode, you know, like one of the little, you know, one, one of the witnesses in like a law and order or something like that who doesn't show up again. But anyway, so he'd mentioned that he'd been in a couple of TV shows and I was like, okay, that's, that's interesting. And I said, well, I'll tell you this, this movie just came out on DVD. It's called the queen. And, uh, you know, and most people had heard of the queen. And so I, so he's like, oh yeah. He's like, I saw that. And I was like, oh, did you like it? He's like, he goes, yeah, it was pretty good. And I was like, well, d- do you see what I mean though? That, uh, that the acting was, uh, was really solid. He's like, yeah, it was all right. And I'm like, what? <laughs> he's like, that Helen Marin, she wasn't so, she wasn't that great. He's like, she's probably going to win best actress. And she, I didn't think she was that great. And I was like, but she was just so, you know, she was just so strong and, and subtle. I mean, she had to portray somebody who is, lives in such a rigid world that she's not really allowed to show a great deal of emotion. So she had to convey what she is feeling without telegraphing it. That's incredibly difficult. And he's like, nah, subtlety's not that hard. <laughs> and he's like, he's like, you know, he's like, subtlety, you know, it, you could really just do not, not really do anything. You know, he's like, he's like, really, it's, it, that's, subtlety's easy. And I just, I, I, I ended the conversation. I literally found, I walk, I didn't just walk away rudely, but I, I do this thing. I would do this thing at Blockbuster where I would like look over my shoulder at another employee and furrow my brow as if that person, I just saw that person do something incorrectly. <laughs> and then I'd be like, oh, excuse me. And then I, I would go. And so, <laughs> you know, a nice bit of subtle acting there. It certainly didn't offend him. And so, yeah. And so it's just his conversation, his, the whole conversation and his side of it just fascinated me because literally I'm fairly certain that I would say what? 95? I, I used to think 100%, but I guess I'll change my mind now. I used to think, not, uh, you know, I would say 95% of, Everybody who's ever been an actor or even a, or whose parents pushed them into acting and they wound up not liking it, whatever, everybody would probably agree that subtlety is difficult. It's easy to go over the top and crazy. You know, it's fun. But subtlety is, you know, that's where the work is involved because you, ha- you can't just come out and say, I am feeling distressed. You have to show the distress without clearly saying it with your face and this guy just no he's got his own theories thank you very much there's a difference between like subtle being subtle and being wooden as it, an actor. Yeah. but to him obviously there's not obviously subtlety is just standing there exactly you know i mean a lot of people i'm sure he watched lost in translation and was ready to punch the screen um but it's just i'm fascinated that it's just he thinks he's got it all figured out like, here's, here's the code of that story that actor Wes Bentley. <laughs> uh, which is odd because you'd think he would have mentioned uh, American Beauty, but he seemed really intent on, uh, you know, his SVU credit. Of SVU. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so it just, it's just one of my favorite stories to tell because it just, you know, takes all kinds, I guess. But uh, it's just, it's, it's neat when you, when you think you, that everybody agrees on something and you find somebody who just, just throws, just throws you off so much that you like, you need to take a nap. Like you just, like I was, there's a, a I, website. I find that happen. I wish I could think of an example, but I, I find that I just assume things about the world. Oh yeah. Yeah. And then I realize that maybe it's not even, sometimes it's even large portions of the population. Like, you know, people still like and buy records and go to see the red hot chili peppers. Do you know, like this, this happens. <laughs> there are still people out there. Who are into that band? 
Uh, yes, I do know that. And that that baffles story, me. I'll tell you stories uh, after the podcast is over. Um, <laughs> Because I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. Um, but uh, I do have an example, and it's it's one of my favorite things to talk about. Um, there is a website that I go to. Uh, I don't Not so much anymore, but I used to go all the time back when I was just looking to get pissed off by my fellow Christians. Um, <laughs> there's a website called uh, Christian Spotlight, which you know is basically Christians writing reviews and then Christ- of of movies and uh, and then uh, and it's like other. It's like an open source type of thing like anyone can write a review exactly okay. exactly i mean you have to apply to write a oh, review okay. um and if it's a movie that hasn't been i've written a, i i wrote a couple i wrote one for chinatown and american buffalo and um because you got to go with the ones that nobody's done yet. yeah <laughs> and so it's just like no, all right i'll do this and um and then other christians can comment you know they can leave their own comments but it's not the official review so um back when good night and good luck came out which is a very good movie. I, I think it's great. Um, I can understand somebody having a problem with it because, you know, it. someone could view it as boring. Okay? So this guy does... This guy writes a comment. Not the review, but he writes a comment. It is not... And he has a problem with it, but it has, it has nothing to do with the film itself. He, fu- he... He chimes in in defense of Joe McCarthy. <laughs> and so I'm... I'm reading, I'm like... I'm about to swear. I, what, what the fuck? I thought everybody was on board that Joe McCarthy was a horrible bastard, but apparently not. This guy just, he's not going to, he's going to swim upstream on this one and he's just going to do his own thing. It's just, it really threw me off. I'm like, I thought no matter what happens in life, I thought everybody was on board with this on board you know and uh and this guy just really man i gotta say that left me in in about of totally unrehearsed non-podcast <laughs> laughter like i have like the podcast laugh which you know i can laugh a little bit and then get back to the topic exactly. i was incapacitated just when you said that just a second ago that uh struck me as as very funny i thought i had told that story before i haven't i don't think so oh my gosh <laughs> it's one of my favorite stories to tell like it, when i'm trying to explain to people it's like yeah, in the Christian world, you know, art is not really, you know, there's a lot of Christians who really don't understand art and stuff. And people are like, well, I don't know about that. I'm like, let me tell you a story. And that's the story I go into that. And then like, there's, there's a lot of other ones. There's a woman who is very, who's literally upset that uh, Ratatouille is running around naked. Can you believe that? No. I can't either, but it's true. Unless I maybe she was being facetious or something, but I, I didn't come through. Oh man! So it's uh, Christian Spotlight. Well, I I don't know if it's ChristianSpotlight.com. What is with the literal mindedness something? among your people? I don't know. For you know, here's the thing. I am I am a very devout Christian. I believe a lot of things that many people would view as strange, but I will say that like there's some stuff in the Bible. How about this? How about everything that Jesus said? Let's try that. <laughs> he spoke in parables constantly. How did these people, how do people read that and not get frustrated? It's just like, what the hell is Jesus talking about? This guy's sowing seeds? Right. What? I don't get it. Like, yeah, they've followed a very, a very bad religion what, for what, something uh, that. Blessed are the peacemakers? <laughs> is it, are talking about guns? Exactly. He must be talking about, it must have been like a Nostradamus thing. He was, he was forecasting <laughs> these guns. Man, this Jesus was smart. <laughs> um, oh man. Okay. Well, ChristianSpotlight.com. Um, we'll, we'll put it on the show notes because it really, it's fun to go and laugh your ass off or grit your teeth. Uh, well, let, <laughs> well done. Both, uh, you know. In the same tense. Um, <laughs> so let's you're, get back to the, the making me tense. The Helen Mirren thing. Oh yeah. I mean, not the story in particular, but uh, this will, you know, get us to finally get into our topic here. Okay. Um, Helen Mirren is obviously the star of yes of the Queen. Uh, but why did people? Uh, a fair amount of people went and went went to see the Queen. Right. But no one was saying, "I'm going to go see that new Helen Mirren movie." You know, that's not. That's not what the draw was. Right. I mean, the, for some people it was, like sure, for yeah. movie geeks like you and me. Um, now, now, so are we getting, we're getting into the topic of yeah. the show, right? That, that, what we want to talk about today is that um, the people who headline movies 
uh, are paid a, you know a ridiculous sum to do so, and uh, I'm not really sure. Uh, I would think it's almost become uh, somewhat close to common knowledge that they're not. It's not necessarily worth it anymore. Well, it's not a guarantee anymore. I'll definitely say that. I mean, there was a time when just the fact that John Wayne was in a movie was enough. I mean, it doesn't matter if he's playing Genghis Khan, which he has, yeah. you know, it, or if he's like in, what was that? The green berets, like generally viewed as like the worst war movie ever because yeah. of its attitude. But like, it doesn't matter. It didn't matter the kind of movie it was. It's a John Wayne movie. Let's go. You know? Yeah. Um, and, and that doesn't, I mean, certain, I mean, lions for lambs didn't make very much money. No. And, uh, the thing is, if a movie had come out in, say, 1991 right. that had Tom Cruise, Meryl Streep, and Robert Redford in it, oh yeah, uh, that would have made a boatload of money. I think, no matter no matter what it was, uh, and I would say like that was probably the 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 late 80s and early 90s were really sort of where this shift mm-hmm. started to come, uh, and I think well, here you know here's the thing. Okay. Back in the day, John Wayne, uh, you know, Clark Gable, Marilyn yeah. Monroe, you know, these people, they always played variations on the same type of character. You know, right. you right. don't have to know what a Clark Gable movie was about, but you know Clark Gable was in it. You have an idea what his character is going to be yeah. like. And you, you know, the American people like that character. Right. Cary Grant to wasn't going to be throwing you any curveballs. That's right. what you were going to be getting. Uh, yeah. And um, it seemed... In in the in the nineties, actors, big name actors, obviously, you know, there there's more of a blur now between leading actors and character actors. Oh yeah, uh, and so, you know, I mean, Paul Giamatti is headlining movies, you yeah. know, uh, but uh, and Johnny Depp, who is a leading man, has gotten famous for playing character roles. Yeah, when you think about it. Um, and it just seemed there's this tendency. I mean, I, Tom Hanks is, I think, is a big part of it. Uh, you hmm. know, uh, I'm not going to simplify anything and say everything is because of Tom Hanks, but he. <laughs> you can trace this all back to Tom Hanks. Yeah, but he, I mean, he, uh, you know, around 1990, he could have kept doing Sleepless in Seattle's, you know, Joe versus the Volcanoes. Right. Great movie, by the way. Um, <laughs> and he decided to just start taking. He's like, I'm an actor. I can act. In other roles, uh, yeah. which is great for him, yeah, and great for the movies, I think, because Don Hanks is a really good actor. Yep. Uh, but I think audiences eventually became clued in to the fact that just because an actor that I really liked in these movies is in this movie doesn't yeah. mean that I'm going to be drawn to the same characteristics. Yeah, it's. Uh, you know, I mean, I, part of me wonders if it. Again, I mean, there's you can't point to any one thing and say, "Well, this is the reason that this is uh, that this has happened." But um, you know, it makes me wonder if special special effects uh, have have played a part. Because I mean, when you think about, like, let's think about Jurassic Park. The biggest stars, the biggest star of that was probably Jeff Goldblum, or maybe Laura Dern. But either way, it's like you're the leading character was played by Sam Neill, who I I like, but he yeah. certainly is not. You know, nobody went to like you said. Nobody's like, "Oh, Sam Neill, I'm there." You know, everyone was like, "Dinosaurs." You know, it's like, and I mean, there's you look at a movie like Cloverfield, which did very well, and there's no real stars to speak of. I mean, there's, and it's because there's just certain types of movies where it's like we could have big stars, we could have no stars. It doesn't matter. Like as much as I love Johnny Depp's performance as Jack Sparrow in all three of the movies. Um, I mean, he is, you know, a lot of people remember him from that and it's a testament to his acting that in the midst of all this crazy spectacle, he's the one, you know, he's one of the biggest parts you remember, but I still think the movies would have been big without him, you know, because it's just a big spectacle, you know, and it's kind of a commonly, you know, commonly held opinion that, actors in those kind of movies really are just somebody to explain the plot so that we can get to the next action scene. Yeah, but that's that's a I mean that's a way I think some of the I don't know non-creative right. uh people behind movies think. Mm. Um but I, I I still think that um 
a good performance is uh, is key to enjoying a movie. Um, I'll say this: I was talking about my DVR earlier, uh, and I, I've been I've been lately DVRing and watching a lot of CSI. Um, and I was thinking about this in preparation for this, are, are doing the show. Um, the stories of CSI uh, are pr- could pretty much be attributed to any one of a dozen other crime procedurals, right? You know, uh, but people like I, honestly, I think William Peterson is great on that show. Yeah, and uh, it's it's that kind of stuff, and what these people bring to it. Yeah, that that makes it that makes it watchable, you know, for, you know, it's in its eighth season. Right. Well, and I mean, you know, the same could be said of Law and Order. Law and Order is, of course, one of the most formulaic shows out there, along with House. I mean, it happens with TV a lot. Yeah. You know, that, you know, audiences, they will come and see these shows. I mean, what's his name? Uh, I've forgotten his name now. Um, Jerry Orbach was on Law and Order. It's been on for, what, like 16, 17 years now. Yeah. And for like 14 of those years, he was the the main detective and stuff. And Sam Waterston as well, but he's still on there. Um, but like, uh, yeah, so I wonder if it's different with TV because, I mean, the very nature of TV, it's like you need to, not so much anymore, but the theory of it is that you need to be in the same place every week and you're there because you know what to expect. You yeah, know, you but know. I don't know that it is necessarily different with TV. I think it's more noticeable with TV because TV is serialized. Right. But there are movies that come out all the time that you can tell right away, this is just like these movies. Yeah. And it, you know, um, I'm trying to think, uh, you know, the sort of serial killer thriller movies, yeah. you know, uh, there aren't a whole lot of big surprises in, say, Disturbia, a movie we both liked. Right. Uh, but it's it's well done. And it's not just the actors; it's done, you know, from a directorial standpoint and editing standpoint. It's a very well made movie. But it's got the very you know very watchable Shia LaBeouf. Yeah, and of course David Morris is in it. You know, yeah. uh, and at the same time, right now, Untraceable is out in the theaters. Yeah, like I like Diane Lane. I but do too. Yeah, that's not a, that I, I haven't seen the movie, but based on the reviews, she's not enough to carry it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we've talked before about how an actor is enough you know can be enough to bring me to a movie but there are there are limits i mean like yeah i saw the sixth day because of robert duvall because of robert duvall but at the same time i didn't i didn't see it until it was being shown in a class in a, a class that you and i were in you know i wanted to see it but it was never, and it's like, I'm sure he's great, but you know what? I can see him great in other things. I, I'm curious about his performance, but I am not going to endure this, you know? Yeah, and that's the way, I mean, because you're not talking from the viewpoint of your average moviegoer. You're right, talking right. from a film, you know, a, a film buff viewpoint. But that sort of way that you and I view character actors is, I think, has come to be the way that the public has come to understand leading actors and actresses they 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 know that like i said earlier just because we liked her in this thing doesn't mean we'll like her in this other thing because she won't necessarily bring the same traits which like i said really great for acting yeah uh probably great for movies uh i don't really see any real downside to it you know except for for the studios who are now you know uh like uh hey go back to william goldman from a few weeks ago he famously said in, in hollywood nobody knows anything yeah, it's, uh, you know, and I wonder, I mean, if you look at, you know, Hollywood of, of yesteryear, and as opposed to now, like, there seems to be a lot, I mean, there seems to be a very positive uh, attitude towards an actor branching out, you know, an actor, like Tom Hanks, you know, he started out doing comedy, and then you, you what, see Philadelphia, well, this isn't funny at all. Then you see Forrest Gump, which is a mix of both, and now he's in Saving Private Ryan, He's in the, and he's always good, but it's one of those things where you never, you know, it's he's one of those people where it's just like, I mean, I guess it's Tom Hanks, he has a very strong presence, but, and you know, he'll always be good, but it's not like Cary Grant, it's not like, you know, uh, James Cagney. Yeah, where well, you I think, always know exactly what you're going to get. I'm in the mood to see 
I'm in the mood to see the kind of Tom Hanks that I saw in Big. Well, you're going to have to watch Big, you know, I yeah. mean, because that's the only time he's giving that kind of performance. Now, uh, this isn't, uh, it hasn't, I mean, it hasn't gone completely, you know, uh, Tom Hanks isn't necessarily like, um, help me think of a character right there. I don't know, Aaliyah Schreiber. Or yeah, something. well, and he's, he certainly he, is. I mean, he still plays, I mean, I can't, I mean, what, are there any movies where Tom Hanks is really villainous? Uh, straight up villainous? I wouldn't say so. I mean, he, he plays, you know, I guess in Road to Perdition, he plays a bad guy of sorts, but he's the least bad uh, in the movie, so. Yeah. Um, so yeah, these people certainly know their, you know, but, but, but the difference is now that it's their choice. Right. You know, and, you know, someone like Will Smith, who, you know, I mentioned a few weeks ago, I'm a huge fan of. Yeah. Uh, and he's shown, uh, I think, pretty remarkable range. But he hasn't, uh, with with the exception of maybe Six Degrees of Separation, which is yeah. like uh, his first, uh, I guess his first feature. Yeah. Um, he hasn't really branched out outside of a certain boundary. But the difference is, like I said, it's the actor's choice now. Yeah. Back in the times that we we're talking about with Clark Gable and you know uh, all all these other people back then, they were attached to the studio. Yeah, the studio decided what movies to put them in. They were essentially employees of the studio, just as I am an employee of a place that I work for right now. Mm -hmm. And the studios created roles for them, right? Uh, and and, and once actors became free agents, yeah, the studios lost that ability. Yeah, I mean, and I really think that honestly, special effects. I mean, it's not nothing new that special effects are a draw, you know. Right. But uh, it really has come to replace the star system. Yeah, I mean, if something has big explosions, you really don't... I mean, it always helps to say, like, yeah, we've got, you know, we've got uh, Ewan McGregor and Scarlett Johansson in the island here, you know, but nobody really cares. Well, and I used a bad example because nobody cared about that movie anyway, but, you know, like Transformers, I mean, Shia LaBeouf really did a good job with his part and kind of broke out of the standard geek who saves the day role but that part could have played by anybody nobody nobody wanted to see that character well you know? i mean as written maybe i mean i didn't see the movie but i mean i still i still don't want to discredit actors because no, like i said they still bring something yeah to a movie and i think even even subconsciously uh uh the the film going audience knows the difference yeah well i hope so um yeah, I'm trying to think. I mean, there's very few. I mean, I guess there's there are some movies. There's not a lot, but like, you know, 50 years ago, there used to be plenty of movies where it was really just the whole point of this movie was so you could see this movie star acting like a movie star. You know, I mean, it uh -huh. didn't, it, like, I mean, it happened to Cary. I like Cary Grant, but I mean, he got a lot of opportunities to be good old Mister Suave. You know, yeah. um, but like. I'm trying to think of like modern examples of that. And the closest I can think is the oceans movies. Um, yeah. Which, you know, it's, it's movie stars having fun and individually, you know, the, the, the main three, which is, you know, George Clooney, Brad Pitt and Matt Damon individually, they, they all go out and do pretty stellar work uh, on their own, but it's like, they're like, yeah, we're movie stars. Let's, let's go remind people how movie stars we can be <laughs> and act silly. Um, and people actually flocked to those. Um, so yeah, it's, but I can't think of a lot of other examples of that. Well, I mean, just because the, the thing is there still are movie stars. There are still people yeah. that have these traits. It's right. just not employed the same way it used to be. Right, right. Uh, so yeah, George Clooney will always be charismatic because yeah. he can't not be. Yeah. But, uh, now he has the freedom to choose a role like Solaris that yeah. people aren't going to get excited about. Yeah. I mean, not many people were, as much as I really like The Good Shepherd, not many people were flocking to see it. You know, and that's Matt Damon. I mean, that's freaking Jason Bourne. And yet people just uh, weren't weren't that into it, you know, even though. Uh, and it was directed by Robert De Niro, no less. Um, Matt Damon has never seemed to me interested in being a movie star, though. And that's f fine with me. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's. It's an interesting, I mean, any, almost any element of film, you can look at it 50 years ago 
and now and then look at it now and just see how it has changed. I mean, I, there's probably some elements that have remain remained roughly the same. I'd say probably the treatment of writers is about the same, um, <laughs> and I I say that independent independently of us talking about the writers' strike. But just there's always seemed to be a, just a general like, yeah, all right, whatever. We'll take this from you and we'll make our movie with it. Here's your money. Go away. Um, but like, uh, but yeah, it's just, you know, and this is going to sound kind of strange. 50 years ago in animated movies, they would sometimes get actors that you would know, uh, like a Phil Harris, like a Hans Conried, uh, you know, but for the most part, it was just voice actors that nobody really knew about that much. Yeah. Uh, now with all, not all of the animated movies, but with a lot of them, I mean, they get big name actors and put their names over the you know over the title. I mean, it's really it's really weird to yeah. It to seems really, it seems really strange to me, but that's that's one uh, venue where it still seems to work for some reason. Exa- yeah, yeah. I mean, people are like, oh my gosh, uh, Martin Lawrence's voice is in this, and Ashton Kutcher's. I'm there, and it's like. Wh- you know that with an animation, they can do anything, right? I mean, <laughs> are, you're really, it's the voice that you're responding the most to. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's odd that it's kind of gone the opposite way with that. But, uh, huh. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm trying to come up with a reason why that would be, and I really can't, like I, the animation thing specifically. Um, but, you know, I, I mean, are you, would you say that this is a this is a good thing that uh, that a, a movie star can no longer make or break a movie? I'd say it's good for us. It's to, good for us. Yes. Yeah, because um, but I mean, it's it's not we don't win that much in the end because in the end they just do special effects instead of movie stars. They still yeah they still put uh, one thing in shitty movies to make people go. It, it used yeah. to be they would put an actor in shitty movies uh, <laughs> to make people go see that actor. Yeah. Now actors have more choice, so they, you know, or at least those, those big name actors have more choice. Yeah. So now they just put special effects in shitty movies and, and, and people go. Well, and I, I, I like to think, I'm not 100% sure, but I like to think that that in, you know, in the environment now, because movie stars aren't the biggest draw out there, I like to think that maybe the studios would say, okay, well, we could have Orlando Bloom, you know, for this. But, you know, maybe he's not that big of a draw anyway, so let's get somebody that's right for the part, you know? I mean, that's what my hope is, and I think... And I think that, that that's that probably happens for the most part. I mean, I can't think of. A yeah, lot I don't know about other... for the most part, but I think it happens. It happens more now. Yeah. I mean, and I talked about the free agency being uh, uh, a cause of this, but also I think the. Um, I mean, it started really in the eighties, but it really started to hit the mainstream in the nineties. The the independent film movement yeah. also had a lot to do with this. The, yeah. Uh, you know, people realize there are really great movies being made outside of the studio system and with people we've never heard of in right. Or people that maybe we had heard of but didn't, or had seen but not couldn't certainly couldn't remember their name, and sure, yeah. you know, wouldn't give them a second look, you know. And it, I mean, it's exciting. You mentioned Paul Giamatti before. I mean, I can't imagine. I mean, back fifty years ago, and I, I'm you know, I love classic movies. I mean, fifty years ago, somebody like Paul Giamatti would never be elevated to leading man status. You know, he would be. I mean. I'm reading a book on Peter Lorre right now, and yeah. he, his acting on the German stage was being heralded as, like, revolutionary. Like, he was viewed as the best actor in Germany at the time, the best stage actor in Germany. And then he did M, which, of course, is amazing. Mm-hmm. And then Hollywood takes him, and they're like, well, look, look at the way this guy looks. And, and listen to him, no less. We can't have this guy be the lead. All right. This guy will be this sneaky and sometimes amusing guy who's in the movie for about 25 minutes, you know? Yeah. All told. And it just seems like there it, it but it's, it's and it seems like it was less uh less giving the people what they want than it was telling them what they yeah. want. Because the thing is when you're watching a movie and Peter Lorre 
shows up on screen, yeah, the, it's electric, you it, know, yeah. and and you can't, you don't have to be a film buff to feel that. He exactly, is a, has a had a great presence and brought something so great to every scene. Yeah, why not want to watch just that for ninety minutes? Exactly. Uh, and, I'll get. I'll talk. I talked about this last week. I, I recently saw a movie called The World's Greatest Sinner at right. the Silent Movie Theater, uh, and it, it was a movie that was made in nineteen sixty two. And it is written, directed, produced, and edited by uh, a character actor named Timothy Carey. Okay. Uh, who you probably remember, he was one of the uh, the soldiers on trial in Paths of Glory. Oh, okay. Uh, he had a small role in The Killing. He he was, you know, Kubrick liked him. He's in Minnie and Moskowitz. Cassavetes liked him, too. Oh, yeah. Um, and and he's in Head, the monkey, the monkey's movie. <laughs> yeah. Co-written and, by Jack Nicholson, if I'm uh, not mistaken. Yeah, yeah. And he was definitely one of those actors. He just yeah. had this crazy, he had has this sort of like sleepy-eyed, uh, creepy smile, teeth-gritted yeah. presence. Yeah. Uh, and it was always fantastic to watch in these small roles. So why not watch a whole movie of that? And The World's Greatest Sinner, while not a very well-constructed movie, uh, is, you can't turn your your eyes away from it. It's It's fascinating. It's a, Essentially, for those who don't know, the story is about a guy who uh, is an insurance sale, insurance agent uh, who's bored with insurance, and he starts telling people, eh, you don't need that. Like He tells one person over the phone, he's like, uh, I wouldn't recommend getting funeral insurance. Once you're dead for a while, the body starts to stink. To stink. They're going to want to bury it. You don't need to pay for that. <laughs> <laughs> and so he decides that he just wants to quit. And then he decides that he wants to be so control of his own life that he uh, says that he wants to be his own god. And then that every man can be a god. And then he starts a cult where he becomes a rock star slash cult leader and runs for president. Uh, he changes his first name to God. Uh <laughs> And does, it, does his last name stay the same? Yes, it's God Hilliard. <laughs> and there are gigantic banners that say God Hilliard. It's so funny. And uh, if that movie were obviously a little better, you know, the there's some focus problems and sound problems, and the editing is weird and choppy, uh, and not in like a like not like a stylistic choice. Like yeah, it's yeah. just like poorly edited. If that movie were well made, on top of that. I don't think there's anybody who could deny that that's a totally watchable movie because of these character uh, because a character actor is in is in the lead. Yeah, I mean, when I think of a movie like Sideways or I'm I'm going to stick with Paul Giamatti for the time being, Sideways or American Splendor. I mean, can you imagine them trying to put like a like a lead actor in those in those roles like it has to be you know, sometimes the lead role calls for a character actor, not a movie star. Yeah, you know, and not, not just in terms of acting. It, yeah, you're talking about a lot of looks. Yeah. You know, even, you know, The Lost Weekend's great, but Ray Milan's like, a, you know, he's a good-looking guy. He is, yes. Uh, and if that movie were made now, you probably would end up with a, with a Paul Giamatti yeah. type in, in that role. Because and I would say that, that a movie like that actually probably benefits from having a good-looking guy doing terrible things, you know. Okay. Yeah. But but at the same time, yeah. I mean, if they did it now, I mean, they made Barfly with Mickey Rourke, and I understand maybe at the at the time he might have been considered handsome. But good lord, um, <laughs> God help us. Um, yeah, he was rugged. I don't know. Yeah, definitely taste change. You know, I mean, <laughs> yeah. That that's sort of like because you know the nineteen eighties, lot of lots of excess. You know, yeah. so being excessively uh, macho. Yeah. You know, be it. By being Mickey Rourke or just being really hairy like Tom Selleck, that was enough to be <laughs> sexually desirable. Exactly. It's just like, I'm very virile. If you can't tell, take a look at my upper lip. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's, it's an interesting, uh, it's an interesting concept and, and, uh, and I'm glad that, that you suggested it for this episode because I'm sure there are several theories as to why that has happened, you know, and I'm sure, you know, I'm sure there's some people who don't really realize that it has happened. That you know, that if you were to watch a lot of movies, you know, from if you were just look at the career trajectory of, you know, of let's say let's go with James uh, James Cagney. You know, mm -hmm. it's like he was always good, but he was always James Cagney. You know, yeah. And and if you some were actors at, were comfortable with that, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but some actors, I think. 
maybe tried to break out of it, and I really respect right. him for that. Like, I, I, I'm a huge Jimmy Stewart fan. Oh, yeah. And obviously, everyone always wanted him to play certain roles. But if you look at one of my probably top five favorite movies of all time, The Philadelphia mm-hmm. Story. Right. Uh, certainly, in the end, he still sort of has to be Jimmy Stewart. Yeah. But in the beginning, look at the way he's playing the role. He's not being, like, uh, charmingly... Uh, I don't know what the word is. Charmingly pessimistic. Like he's yeah. a downright like cynic. Like yeah. he is. I mean, he's still, he's still Jimmy Stewart. So you still want to see him, but in real life, he'd probably be a real downer. You wouldn't want to be around that guy. And that's, that's a credit to Jimmy Stewart that he, he's, he was trying to play roles differently. In the end, he still had to be Jimmy Stewart. But See, and yeah. And like, when you look at, at those old actors, like the reason that, one would say that Humphrey Bogart is like probably the best of the bunch is because he was a movie star. He was a character actor for a while, then became a movie star and did his Humphrey Bogart thing for a long time. And he was always very good at it. I love him as Sam Spade. I love him as Rick Blaine. But then it's like he got kind of restless and it's like, I think I feel like being just doing really good acting again. And then you get Treasure of the Sierra Madre, you get in a, in a Lonely Place, The African Queen, The Cane Mutiny, amazing performances. And it's like, and these days it seems like... It would I be mean, easier for him now? I, I think it probably could be. Yeah. I mean, if you look at if you look at George Clooney, I mean, he realized, granted he like did like Facts of Life and sitcoms for a long time, and then ER came along, and he had the opportunity to be a movie star. Then he did Batman and Robin. Didn't work. Didn't really work out. But yeah, and he took the opportunity to be a movie star first. Right. You know, right. and he did One Fine Day and certain things that yeah that got a lot of attention. And he built up his status enough yeah to make choices, and that's a freedom yeah. that actors, the certain actors who were lucky enough to get to that point, yeah, it's a freedom that they have that they wouldn't have had fifty right. years ago. So so. All right. Any thoughts or comments that you uh, that you have, uh, you can email them to battleshippretension at hotmail.com. Um, feel free to visit our website. Uh, it's battleshippretension.com. Um, you can look at our show notes. You can look at uh, ver- our various blogs and that kind of thing. Yeah. Wait a few weeks to look at the show notes because I got to. We got to update. I got to update them over the past like, but, month uh, and a half. But yeah. So uh, thanks for listening and uh, we'll get you next time. Bye.